Welcome to the National Crawford Roundtable podcast, a view of culture, current events, and politics through a biblical lens, brought to you by Preborn, saving babies and souls, Alliance Defending Freedom, protecting your God-given right to live and speak the truth, and Wilson Financial Advisors, over 50 years of financial expertise and success. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on their banners to visit their websites. And now here are your hosts, Neil Boron, Bob Duco, Roger Marsh, and John Rush. Back with another week of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast with all of the guys, Neil and John and Roger, myself, Bob. Guys, how are you? Great, Bob. Thank you. Good. Always great catching up with you. We certainly encourage people to be praying for uh, people in Florida and the Panhandle area, certainly Tampa, as they're uh, hit by this hurricane. We're broadcasting this Wednesday morning, so that's kind of where we are at at this point. We certainly hope and pray everybody is there, there is, is fine uh, through all of this. But this week, we're going to be talking about work ethic. What in the world happened to the American work ethic? Uh, it, it left the almost, building. I know. It's and, and the employees are now the ones that are in charge. They're in control. They're calling the shots. They're you know, and, and it's the employers who are basically begging people. Please, I'll, I'll give you more money. I'll give you whatever you want. And, well, all right, we'll see, and then I'll do the least amount possible. Oh my goodness! So we're going to dive into that and explore many different aspects of work ethic and how much did COVID play into this? Is this a U.S. problem or a worldwide problem? We'll even talk about unions and are they uh, good or not good? And so we got a lot of things to get into because, of course, Labor Day weekend is coming up. And so we're going to talk about a lot of things labor-related. As we get into this, though, I do want to ask everybody that listens to this podcast, please support Preborn. You know, Preborn is a pro-life organization that shows ultrasound images of unborn babies to expectant moms. They do this in pro-life centers all around the country. And when those moms see a picture of their baby, they choose life almost all the time. Okay. But it takes money to do this. $28 is the average cost to stop one abortion, to save one baby's life through ultrasound images. How many abortions will you stop? Take $28 times fill in the blank, whatever that number is. Maybe God lays a number on your heart. $28 times fill in the blank, and that's your forever legacy of the number of babies' lives you saved. Two ways to give. You can go online right now to crawfordmediagroup.net, click on the preborn tab, give right there. 100% of what you give goes to fund ultrasounds too. Crawfordmediagroup.net, click on preborn. Or just call 833-850-BABY. They answer the phones 24-7. So call right now, 833-850-BABY. Just mention National Crawford Roundtable when you call. We appreciate you folks giving. And as we dive into this podcast, uh, look at what's happening with our we're our work ethic right now. It blows my mind. Anybody who's an employer, and John, I know especially, we're going to get your take on this because you're you're an employer. You employ a lot of people in your business, businesses, and it's almost as though it's so hard not only to find help and to find people that are actually going to show up and show up on time, mm-hmm. let alone people that are going to have a strong work ethic and have that. I'll tell you what. I let me get this off my chest, and then I'll throw it around, and John will certainly start with you. But uh, I got six boys, right? Every single one of my six boys, every single one of them, before they started, the, and most of them are in their 20s and 30s now. But we had the conversation when they were 15, 16 years old and getting their first job. And I remember telling every single one on the same dad lecture, look, uh, do not 
let the other employees in whatever company you work for, do not let them set your standards. All right. Every company you work for, you need to be uh, have a stronger work ethic than everybody else. Don't ever utter the words, that's not my job. Okay. Even though it may seem like injustice, don't join in with the gossip crowd in the break room and trashing the company. Uh, if you see something that's not your job, you do it. Uh, you go ahead and do the extra work. You help build up other employees. You make yourself indispensable and the most valuable employee there. Even though it might not seem fair because you got everybody else who's lazier than you and possibly making more money than you. So what? I'm telling you, eventually it's going to pay off. And I could go through the stories bragging on my boys on exactly how it has paid off. Uh, these days, what in the world is going on? You can't even get employees to be willing to show up, let alone actually do their minimum job, let alone actually do more that is necessary for them. John, you're an employer yep. of all of us. You're probably the the biggest employer we have, you've got businesses, you've got a lot of employees. Uh, this is what you do. How bad is it, first of all? How different are things today in the labor market compared to the past? And why is this? Way different, although I'll tell you that, and it's been a trend that's been going on uh, now, guys, for the last, you know, 20 plus years. So this is not just this generation, it is now, in my opinion, several generations. I mean, it's not just the 20-somethings that you worry about this with. It could be somebody that's in their 40s or 50s even. I mean, guys, this has been going on now for, for quite some time, and I coach businesses as well, and I see the same pattern in the businesses that I'm coaching. So it's not just me, which some would say, well, maybe, John, it's just because you're hard to work for. Well, actually, it's my boys that most of the guys work for, and they're millennials, so they're much easier to work for than I anyways, and they, they frankly get their end of things much better than than I do because guys if I was running things on a day-to-day -day basis we probably wouldn't have as many because Bob I'm a lot like you I, I demand you know certain things and expect certain right. things and that's just the way it's going to be period it's the way I was raised you know I was raised where you outwork the guy next to you and if you do that you'll always have a job I don't think we've taught that now for several generations several generations wow so you're you're actually making it worse than than I thought because sorry I, I, no, look, I, I agree with you that for several generations, it's been sliding down and down. So I, I would argue the trending has been down. But to me, it hasn't been a a 45-degree uh, no, no, declining it, no, keep, ramp. Keep in mind, I mean, I'm saying that as an employer since 1986. So I've been yeah. hiring and dealing with people in my own world since 1986. And I will tell you that it has progressively, it, it, to your point, Bob, it's not this sharp, you know, 45 or 90 degree, you know, angle. It's not a hockey stick like they do right. on the climate change end of things by any means, but has it gradually with, with each passing year gotten worse and worse and worse? And, and has it gotten worse these past three to five years, especially through COVID? Absolutely, yes. Right. Well, and I know there's no way to quantify the numbers, but if I, I, the, the chart that I am at imagine in my mind for the last few decades has been maybe a 10% declining uh, yeah. chart line. Yeah, uh, I would but say that's true. with COVID, especially with, with people being able to stay at home and live off the government, it seems like over the course of the last maybe four or five years, that 10% drop has turned into maybe a 45, 50% yeah, I, drop. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with that, Bob. And I think there's a, there's a story out today, Amazon, talking about all of you people that are required now to come back to work in office. You're in for rude awakening if you don't start showing up. I mean, companies now, which we've talked about on this program and I've talked about it on mine as well, this whole stay-at-home-and-work nonsense, which I trust me. Yeah. 
utter nonsense. I don't care anybody out there. You can argue with me on this one all day long. You cannot collaborate. You cannot get the same effectiveness. You cannot get the same productivity from people working offsite. There are a the one percenters or maybe even the five percenters that can do that. So if you're one of those, great, glory to God, hallelujah, glad that's you. But the reality is that's not the majority of workers at all. By the way, in the from the irony file, you know what other corporation is having a hard time right now getting their employees to come back to the office? Zoom. Mm, <laughs> not kidding. Interesting. And so, Imagine uh, that. I know. Go figure. Let's let's go around the table here a little bit. Roger, of course, Roger Marsh, uh, the People's Republic of California, the bottom line. You know, you're out there in liberal left uh, left wing country. It's like, hey, laid back. I'm not going to go into work. What are you kidding me? So what are your thoughts? What's your take on the work ethic? And do you see it dramatically declining in recent years? Yeah, I do. And uh, there's, there are a number of reasons why. I mean, but first and foremost, can we get all spiritual for a second? We're mm-hmm. sinful fallen people. We don't That's want right. to work. I mean, let's face it. That's right. Exactly. Roger. I mean, yes. but your, your, your natural tendency is to say, what's the least amount of effort I can put out and then get the most reward. So universal basic income sounds great to me. Government check when there's a pandemic, keep me home. Fine. Twist my arm. You know, I mean, that's that, that's the, the natural tendency. And the idea that we have a work ethic. I mean, think about I mean, we're, we're celebrating Labor Day coming up on Monday. A hundred plus years ago, you had Labor Day because there were so many people who were working, coming off the farm, going into the Industrial Revolution, working in mines and factories and things like that. And they were being taken advantage of because there were no rules. And the employers are like, hey, you know, your, your farm's not working out anymore. Send your kid into this factory and we'll work them 12 hours a day, six days a week, et cetera, et cetera. They need to have some kind of, you know, guidelines and basis for it. Because I always thought it was weird that the federal government would say, why are we having a day to celebrate labor? Well, I mean, we're, you know, organizing it. But now take a look at it. There was a story this morning in the uh, Los Angeles Times about a couple of fire captains out this way who are who earned four hundred thousand dollars each last year in overtime. Now, you know what overtime is for fire. I mean, mm. God bless men and women who work police, and especially the firefighters there. They were by definition, they work 24 hour shifts where they're on call. So they have built in overtime. And then you have to go work a fire every now and again, which there aren't a lot of fires here. I mean, I know you see them sensationalized here in the news because in the People's Republic, we let power lines go off and burn up, you know, uh, natural mm. reserves and things like that. But there are ways that people can build the system like this, and you bet they're going to do it. I mean, so because why not? They're human beings, and this is an easy way for them to pad their OT. And then that adds into their pension. And then they can retire at 50 instead of 55. And they could actually spend more years retired than actually having worked and earning a big income. So, I mean, the the reality is if there's a way for us as human beings, because of our sinful fallen nature, to take apart, take advantage of this system, people are going to do it. I mean, so this has been a gradual decline. Throw in Generation X parents who are victimized by divorces and they've got this, you know, emotional attachment to their kids saying, I want to make sure that you don't have to have the same pain I did. Look at all the modern conveniences. It's a perfect storm. Yeah. What uh, what's your take on all this, uh, Neil? I mean, Roger's a pastor. You're a pastor as well, certainly from a pastor's perspective, but also an American and a hard worker with a strong work ethic. What's your take on what's happening? Well, I agree with him 100% that we're sinners and we live in a fallen world. Um, obviously that plays into it uh, because we're selfish and, and we want what we want and we want it now. And of course we've raised a generation to believe that. I, I was trying to do the math here and figure out if how far removed we are from what was referred to as the great generation or the greatest generation, you know, of World War II era, the, the ones that kind of survived um, 
the Great Depression and then World War II and all of that. And, uh, you know, we're, we're at least two, maybe now almost three generations removed. And what I've seen happen is uh, helicopter parenting and the idea that uh, prosperity, if, if absolute power corrupts, I think prosperity does as well. And I think that uh, we've grown up, or at least we've come through this era of believing we want to make things easier on our kids rather than uh, maintain some kind of a standard of, of believing that it's our job to help prepare them for what comes next. Uh, you know, you pamper a newborn, you train or you encourage a toddler, then I guess it's in my understanding that you pretty much guide and challenge adolescence and then you free young adults to go make it or break it on their own but i don't see that happening anymore you've got parents just handing everything to their kids and so it's okay mm -hmm. for johnny to sit on the couch till he's 38 years old playing video games because we're going to take care of you johnny no matter what our love is unconditional but i don't think that's love so honestly yeah i think that government policies and workplace policies play into this but i also think that this is a total breakdown of the american family and um really an abuse of power but parent parents instead of using uh their gifting and their skills to prepare children really abdicating that responsibility and thinking yep. they're doing something you know that represents a favor to their kids when i think they're actually stealing their future from them yeah, yeah, thank yeah. you. Neil, as a pastor, I'm glad you said that because I look at it as parents being extremely selfish, not wanting their kids to go off right. and be on their own. They, they want right. them always around them. They want them under them. They want them really, if you want to think about it, under their thumb. It's really a selfish thing these parents are doing. They're not helping their kids out at all. I making know. it worse. I know. And their kids are just going to grow up lazy and an entitlement mentality and how in the world is that and by the way especially for christian families how is this honoring god uh, we got to remember and actually with you guys as pastors maybe you can back this up work is really a biblical concept sometimes people have this mistaken notion that yeah, hey in heaven not, by the way yeah, I know. In heaven, there's going to be no work. No, before sin entered the Garden of Eden. They worked. But they were working, okay? they were. But the difference is, in heaven, whatever work we do, uh, the earth won't work against us. It won't be by right. toiling in the sweat of our brow. Uh, we won't have to work against the grain of, of heaven, of earth, if you will. But which does kind of, I, I suppose, on a, on a side note here, what in the world are we going to do in in heaven for jobs? Because first, myself, I don't know how much uh, market there's going to be for Christian apologists. Uh, for you guys, uh, Neil and Roger, I don't know how much market there's going to be for pastors in heaven. Maybe the four of us are going to be jockeying for the one job at WGOD. You know, I don't know, <laughs> but... But uh, there'll be a lot of operations, so I'll be okay, guys. <laughs> yeah, really. But actually, Neil, maybe if you could address that though, because people have a misunderstanding about work. Work is a yeah. godly thing, and we're going to be is. working in heaven. Amen. Amen. Yeah, and if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. I mean, it's it's a God-ordained right. idea, and I think that it brings glory to God when we work. Whatever we do, we're to do it as unto the Lord, and and that's how we recreate, how we worship, but also how we work. I mean, it's a part of the process, and you're 100% right. Um, there is no such thing as you know work being sinful in that sense. Uh, it brings glory and honor to God when we use the talents, abilities, gifting, strength, intellect, everything God's given us to create and to bless others and to serve others, and it's all part of the process of what God intended for us in his kingdom that's you. right you know really and really quick guys where this whole and, and i think the church unfortunately is even bought into this there's no place in scripture even that talks about a five-day work week that's a henry ford idea the 40 hour 
five-day work week was a Henry Ford invention. didn't exist before him. And I'm not saying that it's a bad thing, but I'm just saying this whole concept of having two days off each week for, for rest and relaxation and doing whatever it is you want to do, which, by the way, if you can do that, more power to you. I'm still a guy self-employed. I work stinking six days a week, have mm-hmm. for as long as I can remember, probably always will till the day I die, and I enjoy doing it. But to I me, th- yeah. this whole five-day work week is even wrong, guys. I've, I'll tell you what, I haven't worked a five-day work week, and I don't know how. I work six. Saturday is my day off, except when I'm speaking in churches or something. So sometimes there, but right. Sunday's a work day. I do a boatload of research for my show, apologetics research and news research. And I spend several hours every Sunday working on the Monday show. So for me, six days is a normal but, but, work you know, week. I get I, what I, you're saying, John. Throw this back to you know Roger and Neil. How much of what I just said is even taught from the pulpit? Very yeah. little. That, yeah. that kind of thing's not really discussed. And, and, you know, and, and actually, why? I mean, isn't that a, Neil, you just talked about, isn't that a core to what Scripture talks about? Why do we not talk about it in the church? Because we don't want to make people uncomfortable. They won't oh, come to our church got after it. it. <laughs> got it. Don't, don't, want to, don't want to lose that, uh, you know, that influential family. Create some yeah. factions and everything. No, well, I, I mean, not, that I mean, really by is the way, part I, of it. Not, not to pick, but we as Christians... I think uh, has have as much to contribute to this. I mean, I can tell you even from when my kids were little, and of course, being self-employed, we had a business, and so my kids started working like you, Bob, at a very early age. They're mm-hmm. all very capable of working today. Have always held jobs even during recessions. They've never once ever been unemployed, and I think that's because of the way we raise them and get, you know putting them to work at age 12, 13 years of age. But I can tell mm-hmm. you one thing: e- even my kids being in you know Christian schools and in the friends that they hung around with, I can tell you this: my kids were were, were really some of the only ones working and i hired some of their friends during the summer times and they were worthless right no look so I, this is this is pervasive in and out of the church it's not just one-sided is my point i know and, and but by the way i still remember my first actual job i was 14 years old and i wasn't allowed to get a job until i was 16 but i still tried applying anyway I couldn't get the job so i go to this convenience store i talked to the owner of the convenience store and i was like you know i'd like to get a job well you're 14 i can't do it you can't hire you i said i'll tell you what how about if cuz i see you breaking down boxes all right how about if after school i come here and i break down boxes i do your grunt work and i sweep the the parking lot out in front of your store and whatever and uh, he goes well all right what do you want me to pay us Pay me whatever you want to pay me. They paid me a dollar a day to do that. This is back in 1976 or something, 75. It's like, okay, fine. But it's a, that mentality now, it just it doesn't seem to exist for people. By the way, Roger, uh, as we get your take on this as well, I do want you to notice when I mentioned the, the heavenly radio station, it was WGOD, not KGOD. So obviously, yeah. uh, God is east of the Mississippi. I'm just making that say, clear. There, no good broadcasting <laughs> coming from the west of the Mississippi. John and I are just we're faking it till we make it every day. That's for sure. That's you right. know, you, talk, you guys talk about the work ethic, and it, it's interesting because having uh, grandparents who were uh, well, not not necessarily there. My my grandfather on my mom's side was an accidental because of the fact that they had lived in Mexico and woke up one morning in California. It was the weirdest thing back in the 1840s. Mm. Um, but the, the idea of work was instilled into us as a family. My dad put himself through grad school. He was a school teacher. My mom also taught. Uh, both parents worked. We all had chores. Um, and it's very interesting. I start. I can remember being four years old, and we were at my grandmother's house, and she had a bunch of trees in the backyard, and, and she'd asked me to come out and help her rake the leaves. Then she paid me 25 cents for putting them in bags and taking them out to the front step. 
And I, so I basically had, you know, I, I had money to buy stuff, you know, from an early age, but I got that, you know, hey, you put in the time, you do the work and you do a good job. And she was always very complimentary of the work when I got it right and not when I didn't. But I, you know, I, I've been working since I was four, basically, <laughs> you know, when we get right down to it. And that work ethic never leaves you. And it's amazing when you meet people who have a hard time getting on track, getting their life together, this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, you can ask some basic questions like, what kind of chores did you do when you were younger? And it's amazing how many kids today, but even adults today, didn't have chores. I, I meet guys in their 50s, you know, where they're kind of like, man, I just can't get my work life on track. And you realize, well, they had no responsibility growing up. They weren't working for their dad, like in John's case, or, or they mm. weren't, uh, you know, they weren't being shown that. And your churches, too. I mean, our church used to have a, a work day. You know, mm -hmm. where people would right. come and actually right. volunteer, spend time cleaning up the grounds. And it was wonderful to see not only the, uh, you know, the older folks who used to like to do it, but the younger folks who would come out. Now it's to the point where even our Christian school has to literally bribe kids to come out. Well, you've got to do so many hours of community service, so you better come get Pastor So-and-so. Well, one thing better, pay. Roger, we hire maintenance men inside the church and the schools to handle things so they don't have to. We even go right. that step. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's 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 really, it's, it's, it's a shame to see what a, you know, above and beyond it is now for people to do, just do the basics. And yet, to Neil's point, I mean, it is biblical. If you don't work, you don't eat. And, and I don't know how many people actually fully understand that concept anymore. By the way, John, is this a, a, a U.S. phenomenon or is this a worldwide thing as part I of an overall fallen world? I think it's a world country problem. I don't think it's second and third because when you go to those areas, and Roger can probably attest to this, and even, even Neil also, when you go outside of our, our borders and you get into some of the second and third world countries, no, they're very hardworking, mm -hmm. and most of them will start at a very, very early age, you know, much like the four of us, by the way. Uh, first world countries, I think, you know, even EU and places like that is very, very similar to what we have here. We're, we're, we've raised these entitled generations. There's so much government assistance and so on, you know, student loans, you know, student loans to the point where you don't have to work yourself through college anymore because you can borrow enough money to live on. Uh, and we wonder why we have such student debt. It's because nobody's working through college anymore. Right. It's a whole well, topic, by the way. Actually, and not to get overly political about this, but isn't part of this problem also the left-wing Marxist progressive yep. mentality That's of right. of you live off the government's uh, collectivism, you, you, we'll, we'll give you what you need. Everything centers around you. You don't have to pay back your student loan debt. You just, and you go ahead and live off the government as much as you want to. And we'll expand Medicare and, and Medicare. We'll expand it all to not just if you're not able to work, but if you're too lazy to work, that's okay That's right. too. That's right. Uh, it's it seems to me that the liberal left and pushing this kind of Marxism communism tends to breed this type of low Agreed. work ethic as oh, well. Oh, it's by design, Bob. I, I truly well, believe it's by design. And, and unfortunately, as I said, you know, Christians have also sort of bought into the same mentality. I mean, no longer is it right. a life-changing work experience to come to the gospel and come to Christ. No, it's a what can the church give me each week, not what can I give it. I know. You what know? can God give me too? And actually, let me just say, because we got the second half of the podcast coming up, and we're going to be diving into a lot more of this, including talking about unions and the pros and cons of unions and how we look at all of that. But one of the things we do want to remind everybody as well, though, you, you, you know this podcast is sponsored. We appreciate you folks sponsoring Preborn. We do Wilson Financial, ADF, and Neil, I'll tell you, Alliance Defending Freedom, the string of victories that they've been getting lately on behalf of Americans and especially Christians has just been incredible. 
It's incredible that you mentioned uh, socialism and communism because I just want to mention Proverbs twelve twenty four says diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in forced labor. Hmm. How interesting. And thank God Alliance Defending Freedom is working hard on our behalf to protect our rights and our freedoms. And so it's why I want to encourage you to give $19 a month. That's all it is, 63 cents a day by clicking on the ADF button at CrawfordMediaGroup.net. You know, like 20 years ago, Montana passed the Parental Notice of Abortion Act, and it's a law that required doctors who wanted to perform an abortion on a minor to inform the child's parents or legal guardians 48 hours before performing the abortion. Well, uh, Montana and abortionists in Montana challenged that law and began to, to win in the lower courts. Thank God ADF, Alliance Defending Freedom, took it to the U.S. Supreme Court on behalf of parents, and the Supreme Court ruled that parents need to be informed of a minor's decision to seek an abortion. They upheld parental rights and upheld Montana's uh, notif parental notification law. Praise God for that. Um, this is exactly why we need to support our sponsor, Alliance Defending Freedom. They're fighting for us. $19 a month, 63 cents a day is all it takes to preserve your rights and mine. So give today. Click on the ADF button at CrawfordMediaGroup.net. We need it all over the place. New York, Colorado, California. Roger, we need all of this. Yeah, actually here in the People's Republic, you know, as we're talking about, you know, the work of Alliance Defending Freedom and what a great job that they do. And I think about the the resourcing that it takes to to undergird what they're doing. And I think about what Dems Wilson does at Wilson Financial. Uh, he's going to get a kick out of this conversation about labor and, and working because, you know, Dennis was the guy who had a paper route as soon as he could ride a bike. You know, I mean, this hmm. is the guy who's been this is the guy who used to go to Rams games when he was a kid because he won all the free tickets because he won all the contests. I mean, he was working three jobs when he was newly married and he discovered that a colleague of his um, had passed away and didn't have any life insurance. And he was so just incensed, you know, with the fact that this widow was going to be facing that kind of calamity that he moved into the life insurance world. And he started seeing annuities and different ways to help people protect their hard-earned money. He works as hard for your money as you do. And he works as hard with it as you do. And so when you get to those retirement years, and of course, we know that retirement isn't biblical. It's how you shift from working full-time to maybe full-time ministry or whatever. You need the resourcing to be able to fund it. Wilson Financial Advisors can help you do that. Click on the Wilson Financial banner when you go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net because, you know, it, 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 we, we do need to work. We need to be fruitful. But at the same time, we need to be good stewards with what we're doing right. as well. Bob, I know that's a that's a huge issue of, of today's program. Well, it really is. And that's why we appreciate you folks supporting ADF. We appreciate you supporting Wilson Financial. We appreciate you supporting Preborn. As I mentioned before, if you haven't given to Preborn yet, now is your chance. Would you prayerfully consider going to CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on Preborn, and you can give right there. Remember, you're paying for ultrasound images for unborn babies' pictures to be seen by their moms. Preborn supplies these ultrasound images, but it takes money. $28 is the average cost to stop one abortion through ultrasound images. So all you got to do, go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on Preborn, and give $28 times fill in the blank. Whatever that number is in babies' lives you want to save, $28 times fill in the blank, and 100% of what you give goes to fund ultrasounds. So do that now if you would, or just call 833-850-BABY. They answer the phones 24-7. So you always talk to a real-life person, 833-850-BABY. Just mention National Crawford Roundtable when you call. And we appreciate you folks doing this, supporting our sponsors. And in the second half of this podcast, we're going to dive into a lot more of the pre-Labor Day discussion about the state of labor 
in this country. Uh, you can give us our five-star reviews wherever you listen to your podcast. We always appreciate that. You can watch video of our podcast at myhopenow.com and certainly support and follow My Hope Now wherever you go to social media. The second half coming up next. This has been a Crawford Media Group production. Continuing the second half of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast with all of the NCR guys, Neil Boron out of Neil Boron Live, Buffalo, New York, Roger Marsh, the bottom line from the People's Republic of California, John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Colorado, myself, Bob Duco, the Bob Duco Show out of Detroit. Uh, Labor Day weekend is coming up, and we're talking all things labor, the state of labor in this country right now, the work ethic, what in the world happened to the work ethic in this country, which, by the way, we do encourage everybody, of course, continue to pray for the people in Florida as Hurricane Idalia uh, goes through Tampa and up through Florida. As we're recording this Wednesday morning, it's a Cat 3 that made landfall. And not to get overly political here, but I do have to say, once everything is said and done, I'm curious how much the news media will pay attention to and be willing to report the difference between the natural disaster hitting Democrat-run Hawaii with the wildfires compared to natural disasters hitting Republican-run Republican run Florida with uh, Ron DeSantis and the Republicans down there. So be very curious to see the difference between those two. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about labor uh, as we lead into Labor Day. As we do talk about this, there's a different kind of labor. You know, when a woman is pregnant, she goes into labor to deliver that baby. A little play on words here. But uh, this, of course, makes me think of preborn. And you hear us talk about preborn on the show all the time. This is a great pro-life ministry that they're the ones who supply ultrasound images of unborn babies to expectant moms in pro-life centers all across this country. But it takes money to pay for these ultrasound images. We're asking you right now, will you give from your bank account to preborn to pay for some of these ultrasound images? Your legacy is going to be saving babies' lives, folks. So $28 is the average cost to stop one abortion to save one baby's life. Pray about a number, $28 times whatever that number is. And that'll be your forever legacy of the number of abortions that you stopped. So it's this simple. Go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on the preborn tab, and you can give right there. CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on preborn. Every penny you give goes to fund ultrasounds, nothing for overhead. Or just give them a call at 833-850-BABY. They answer the phones 24-7. So call right now, 833-850-BABY. Just mention National Crawford Roundtable when you call. As we continue through this second half of the podcast, we're talking about labor and the state of labor in this country. We talked in the first half about work ethic and why in the world work ethic is going down so much. And John, I think you're absolutely right. I think this is a first world problem. I don't think this is a second or third world uh, problem. Uh, before we get into... And really quick, the, Bob, the other proof yeah. of that is if you look at the people that come here from second and third world countries, they don't have a work ethic problem. Right. Yeah, you know what? You're absolutely right. And look, we've all been on missions trips, and we've seen how hard people work for pennies mm-hmm. in third world countries around the world. And so, yes, this is a – it's part of the double-edged sword, I think, of God so blessing our country. We have so much that it's That's actually right. made us lazy. That's right. Add to that – the political aspect of this, the left pushing pushing Marxism and communism and collectivism and such, it just breeds more laziness. Add to that big government, 
offering people more and more. And then add to that finally an entitlement mentality of I, I'm entitled. If you have more than I do, John, then that's injustice, economic injustice, and I'm entitled to some of what you have. It just breeds laziness. Entitlement does, but we've got this mentality permeated. We even turn it into theologically. Uh, unsound thinking. We look at God and see him as it's his job to make me happy and give me what I need and God's purpose is whatever I can get out of him. Even if you look at our worship songs to our pastors, Neil and Roger, isn't it amazing, guys, that the overwhelming majority of worship songs these days are, what can I get out of you, God? You know, uh, the blessings flowing down from God to me. I'm not saying there's no place for that, but it seems like we're way out of proportion that disproportionately it's like, here's how much I can be blessed and what I can get from God and how happy my life can be uh, compared to a very small amount of let's exalt and glorify you, God, and make it about you and lift you up. Uh, it doesn't seem to, fl- the, the, we want the blessings to flow downhill. We don't want the exaltation to flow uphill. So Well, and quickly that was the that's ultimately at the heart of the lie that the serpent, you know, convinced Adam yeah, and Eve of yeah. in the garden that you shall be as God, and so it goes back to the original lie, the original sin. Yeah, no, it really Point does. Here. Let's uh, let's have a hard discussion about unions, and I know that oh, there's going to be can't stand them. Uh, look, I, I broadcast from Detroit, Michigan. Sorry. Okay, the auto capital. So I get so here in Michigan, the overwhelming majority, a huge chunk of my audience. Are union workers. So I get that. We're union central here in Detroit. And I can tell you right now, I am not a fan of unions. I say it all the time here. I catch heat for this. But I'm not saying maybe, they're a, they're maybe you can make an argument. Not needed any longer. Yeah, we have back in the twenties country to protect workers, they're no longer necessary. Right. Back before the days of OSHA, back before what you know, okay, fine. But in today's day and age, John, I, I just They're to me it just breeds laziness. Exactly, left wing, left wing propaganda machines to help prop up Democrats, get them That's elected, it. while at the same time encouraging a sense of of laziness, lack of productivity, and entitlement. That to me is what unions basically yep. do today. Yep, can't agree. I mean, uh, okay, spot just on. to just to throw it out there, isn't that similar to what tenure does to professors and college? Yes, 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 it is. I don't Good agree point. with tenure either. Right. Yeah, and it encourages lack of productivity, mm-hmm. compliance with the status quo, nothing more than what was barely expected of me. Uh, I, I don't see the place for unions either, given where we're at in terms of you know taking care of workers legislatively in all the states and by the federal government. Who needs them? Right. Absolutely. Typically, the majority of your money, I think it's about 75 cents on the dollar, goes to political activism. As far as your union dues are concerned, it's not going to even help the workers out at the end of the day. They should They should all be disbanded, if you ask me. Uh, Roger, what's your take on this? Yeah, I agree. And, you know, it's interesting because having had parents who taught in the public school system here in the People's Republic of California for years and, uh, and, and were involved in the union activity, they would not recognize what the school system has become today from the ones that they taught in the 50s and 60s and 1970s. Because in California, the California Teachers Association is one of the largest political lobbying groups for, take your pick, transgender ideology, LGBTQ, and try to be a Christian who works in that system. You don't officially have to join the union to benefit from the union benefits, but they're still gonna charge you a union due anyway and take it out of your paycheck. So a number of Christian uh, teachers have actually stood up to that and said, hey, wait, that's not right, that's not fair. Well, our collective bargaining, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, let's face it. 
using teachers as an example, and again, we have a lot of teachers, a lot of retired mm. teachers who listen to the Bottom Line Show, so I want to be sensitive to the fact that I really encourage you to still be a light that shines in the darkness. But Amen. the public school system has gotten so crazy out here that when you get right down to it, you know, you hear, we've, we've all heard the yarns, teachers have to spend so much of their own salaries on this and on that for classroom supplies, et cetera, et cetera. Talk to your unions and ask them why they keep pushing for more and more money when there's a fixed amount of money that's coming to your district from the federal government. You can't just increase it. If John's businesses do well, he can give his employees bonuses. He can pay them more in, in, in wages because the market has given him more money. But there's no real market other than tax dollars or property taxes or whatever it comes. It's static. So if you want to keep giving teachers automatic pay increases for every level of graduate work that they get, I mean, and that, that's something they benefit from. You, you're amazed at the number of doc, doctors teachers, teachers with doctorates, education, PhDs and things like that, teaching high school. Why? You don't need a PhD to teach high school. But if you get a PhD, you get a big bump in your pay, right? You can watch a school principal go from 100,000 a year to $150,000 a year. And now that becomes the base for your pension. So you see, it, it, it doesn't add up in the real world. The unions now are hurting, whereas 120, 130, 140 years ago, the reason we have Labor Day in the first place is the unions came up and said, look, we got to get some rules. I mean, we, there was no OSHA, like John said. There, were, there weren't a lot of labor laws. There were child labor kids being exploited because of lack of child labor laws. They just kind of put some basic tenets and basic frameworks around how do we do this? Well, nowadays, quite frankly, it seems like all the unions do is lobby on Capitol Hill. But trust me, how many schools got shut down? Not because of uh, you know, COVID issues and, and we were worried about kids. We talked about the science here enough here on the National Crawford Roundtable about how little risk there was to kids that children would be dying from COVID. It was the teachers. Randy Weingarten's out there running around saying, mm -hmm. we don't want any of our teachers getting sick. And oh, by the way, where's our money? Where's our taste? Where's our extra protections? Where's the extra funding that's going to come in here? I mean, all you, if Gavin Newsom actually goes through with his debate with Ron DeSantis, first question, if I'm Ron DeSantis, I would ask is, what happened to your budget surplus? Right. And everyone's going to know the budget surplus that Gavin Newsom had for the past couple of years was all free money from the federal government because he played the COVID game right. And the minute all that stuff dried up, it's a $31 billion deficit. I mean, right. case, case closed. The unions that used to help people 100 years ago are hurting economies right now. That's right. They are. Yeah. You know, just real quick, let's thank God for all of the wonderful teachers that have spoken into our lives and into the lives of our kids. There are many teachers just laying it on the line, doing an incredible job, sometimes working with children with special needs. But if you just look at the union question, you know, and all most all of these teachers are part of some kind of a teacher union. If you just look at the union question, over the last 100 years, how has education fared in the United States overall? Are we in good shape or bad shape? So the question has to be asked, has teacher unions improved the state of education in America or not? And I say no. Nope, nope. It absolutely has not. Which, by the way, let me, John, let me throw to you as our, our resident businessman here. Uh, I want to throw a devil's advocate argument to you that I've, I've done battle with my listeners here in Union Country, Detroit, many times over the issue of collective bargaining and the fruits yeah. and benefits that people get from collective bargaining. And, and, and the argument goes something like this. Uh, it's not right for somebody to enjoy the benefits of collective bargaining and not have to pay into those union dues for them. How do you respond? So what you're so these people are basically saying that with collective bargaining, somebody else benefits, but they never paid in in the first place. That's right. So you're enjoying the fruits of the best. You didn't have to pay into the union because we were a right-to-work state, even though Gretchen Whitmer mm -hmm. undid our right-to-work, and so now we're not right-to-work state anymore. But during right-to-work years, 
It's like, oh, so you're enjoying all the benefits of the collective bargaining agreements and that you got all the extra benefits that came from that without having to pay into the dues. That's not right. How do you respond? It is what it is. Sorry. Okay. Well, there's no arguing with that logic. I mean, it is. I mean, <laughs> there there is no argument because yes, they are reaping the benefits of that. And again, I'll still go back to my initial statement of I don't think any of that should exist in the first place. And I definitely don't think collective bargaining should work inside of government at all ever. Those should teachers unions, given the fact that they're getting a paycheck from the taxpayers, should not be allowed. Period. There should be no unionization inside tax dollars ever. Period. You know what? I, and I look. I agree. And I look at it like. I didn't ask for that, okay? If that's something that ends up happening and, and, and I get that, okay, so just like I may not agree with, we'll say, a particular tax law or something like that, that doesn't mean I'm not going to avail myself of the benefits of it, but I can still disagree with that overall. I would rather not work in a union shop so that uh, so, so that my achievement and how high I rise and how fast I rise is dependent upon what I contribute to the company, not dependent upon my seniority or you know any of that other kind of stuff. I don't want to have I don't want to have a slow, a low ceiling that slowly raises at a collective rate. I want the ceiling to rise at whatever rate I can make it rise. And if you take that away from me, then shame on you. I don't agree with that, but I'm not going to be punished by saying, okay, well then I have to be forced to pay for these collective bargaining things. Quite frankly, I think I could probably achieve more than what your collective uh, bargaining agreements are for everybody across the board. So I feel like I'm being held back by only getting what collective bargaining gives me. So, so I, Bob, let me, I got to yeah. ask you a question. You're, sure. you're the apologist here. So All you right. always throw it to us as the pastors. You're the apologist. All right. So on the, you know, the last shall be first, first shall be last thing in, in Matthew kind of transitions out of chapter 19 into, into chapter 20. And that's where Jesus gives this parable about you know, workers who worked all day versus the ones who got hired at the end of the day, but then they all get the same amount of pay. So mm -hmm. then how does that square with what we're talking about? And what would the biblical argument be for why what we're describing, you know, is wrong? I can tell you, because as you know, as you know, Neil, that was uh, that parable that he told was analogous to people being saved and going to heaven okay that you right. you enjoy the benefits of heaven so the person who dies on his deathbed he gets the very same gift from god the, uh, of eternal salvation and forgiveness of sin all right <laughs> this is you know about, this is being used as an argument for i know and what okay. i'm telling you is it's a it's a weak argument i mean your devil's advocate argument is is great to bring up and i'm glad that you did okay but this is about salvation this is god's free gift of salvation if if the person at the 11th hour somehow got less of a reward of heaven than somebody who worked their whole life, then that means that heaven is not really a gift from God. Salvation isn't a gift from God. It's something that we earn from our goodness, and that's what's taken away. And by the uh, way, that, there was no bargaining in this. It was set out from the get-go, so nothing's right, changed since the beginning. Right, exactly. Everybody knows the rules going in. But throughout the rest of Scripture, when specifically dealing with work, not as an analogy for salvation, but dealing with work horizontally and how it functions on earth, then you are to uh, work hard. A workman is worthy of his hire. You are, in fact, to have a strong work ethic, okay? You're not to be a sluggard, as we read about in, in Proverbs. Uh, the, the, the man who does not work will not eat. Not the man who does not work gets the same amount of food as everybody else. 
else, okay? No, anytime scripture talks about uh, work specifically in the context of work, it's always you, you, you earn, it's based on earnings. You earn your food, you earn your pay, all right? Uh, Jesus' parable about the workers in the field was basically his way of saying that doesn't apply to salvation because you don't earn salvation. Uh, and so that's, that to me is where I Great see the response. difference between the two. Great response. Anyway, uh, I, I am curious also, though, and I, I, I'm going to get overly political here, but I'm just going to do it. Here in, you know, uh, Roger, we constantly refer to California as a people's republic. Okay, well, Detroit is Union Central. All right, I get that. So many of my listeners are union members. I've done battle with them many times. And one of the things I've said on my show here many times is that if you're a Democrat, why in the world, I'm sorry, if you're a union employee, why in the world are you voting Democrat? It makes absolute, the Democrats somehow, guys, have created this false perception that if you're a union worker, you got to vote Democrat because Democrats benefit the unions and Republicans are opposed to the unions there for management. And I'm thinking, hold on a minute here. Uh, if you work in a union shop, uh, and the company that you work for is more profitable next year, does that give more leverage or less leverage to your union negotiators in their collective bargaining agreements? Republicans are trying to help your corporation be more profitable. If there's more profit, your collective bargaining agreements are going to be stronger for you because your union negotiators have more leverage. It's when the Democrats get in there and uh, put more regulations on the businesses, cause them to retool and restructure their operations to meet global warming guidelines and such, and take more taxes from them, the, the manager of those companies then say to the union negotiators, hey, you can't get blood out of a turnip. This is all the profit that we made. And so it weakens collective bargaining agreements when your company is less profitable. And Democrats are trying to take more profits from companies. How in the world union workers don't see that is beyond me, guys. I'm getting on a rant now, but this is the fight that I've had with my listeners for the last 23 years. Can I add a little fuel to that fire? Is there's a yes. company called Thermomix, which is a, makes a high end uh, appliance that they you know that's kind of like Viking and Mealy and some of those other high end mm -hmm. refrigerators stuff like that. They do I don't know how many millions of dollars in business every year, and their headquarters have been in El Segundo or something like that, California, for years. And pretty soon they're going to be moving to another progressive city, but they're moving to Austin, Texas. And of course, the left in California is losing its mind. You know, why do these people keep leaving and this, that, and the other thing? Well, let's go back and re roll the tape of what Bob just shared, you know, in terms of the, the whole unionization and, and how bad unions are for why do Democrats keep voting for this type of stuff? Look, this company said, hey, if we're making a $30 million profit in California or whatever their profit is for the year, and we can go to Texas where the tax structure is different, where property values are less, where we don't have to bring in people at such high end, you know, levels of uh, salary and they can still make a decent wage, then everybody wins, right? So wh why wouldn't we go there? But it's amazing how the left loves what they love when it's coming their way. But then when people start leaving, they're actually proposing what we call a clawback tax here in California for businesses that leave. Well, you still have to pay California sales tax or income tax or whatever for five years after you leave, if you leave the state. It's like, why? What are, is this? The, we're going to have to come up with a new. I don't know if that's uh, even legal. How can they even do that? I know. But the fact that these things are being proposed. I mean, this, this is what California. happened to the California State Assembly and the California State Senate. It's ridiculous, guys. But but. 
But that's the way leftism has so corrupted the minds of people who are just so used to voting. And think of the person who's the one issue voter. You know, we talk often about the sanctity of human life and how anybody who, you know, supports the sanctity of human life, you know, there used to be a lot of one issue voters. Now that becomes a major issue. I know a lot of people in the in the educational world who would vote Democrat over Republican because they thought that the Republicans were out to, you know, take away their public education money, you know, the Jarvis Insti uh, Initiative of 1978 that cut property taxes. Well, now, if you are a one-issue voter and you're still voting Democrat, you got to wake up because there are so many different issues. It's like riding the mad teacups at Disneyland trying to keep up with what these guys are doing because you've got the cup on the saucer, on the big plate, on the larger plate, and next thing you know, you're just going to get nauseous trying to figure out what your party platform is anymore. I don't think people who vote Democrat really know what the party platform is because as we've said ad nauseum here on this program, if you knew what the Democrat party platform was, I don't see how any Christian could say that's the party for me. Right. I don't either. And I don't know how any union worker could say that's the party for me. I, I just, I don't get either one of them, but no, you're absolutely right uh, in the points that you, uh, that you make there. So uh, Neil, I don't know. I mean, what's, What's your take on all this, and especially as it relates to unions? Well, you know, Buffalo became less of a unionized town when Bethlehem Steel shut down in the 1970s, uh, started moving in other directions. And New York State still deals, obviously, a lot with unions because of teacher unions, et cetera. My wife, for a period of time working as a nurse at Children's Hospital in Buffalo, was part of a nursing union. Um, but overall, I don't think that they're helpful for people. Uh, it was unbelievable you know, what she was being offered in the, in the way of vacation time and compensation for sick time and personal days and the kind of rate of pay she got if she had to work on a holiday or a weekend holiday and that kind of stuff. It was just unreal based on what I was making in my job. And while that offers some security and protection to people, I get it. I understand that. And if you're receiving that and you're a part of a union, you feel comfortable with it. Uh, I, I get where you're coming from. But on the other hand, it's not good for the American people. It's not good for any of us, I think, long term. And I think it's destroying the work ethic in America. I don't think it encourages greater effort on the part of any workers. I think it causes complacency like we were talking about earlier. So you changed your mind, Neil, about trying to launch that Crawford Media Group union? Mm. Shh, Bob. Ixnay on, oh, on, Ix, on the Ooth tray. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, that's, that's right. phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, Let me just say, though, how grateful I am to be working at Crawford Broadcasting and to be able to do what we do every day and to have the freedom to talk about this kind of stuff. And we're and not by a way, union shop. If, if you disagree with anything that's been said on today's program, let me give you Bob Duco's email. Address. Uh, there you go. <laughs> it's, it's Bob at CrawfordMediaGroup.net. Uh, that wasn't smart. Uh, and here's Neil's home address, by the way, everybody, yeah. just so you know. <laughs> Thank you. Anyway, uh, no, it's been a great conversation. It, it really has. And, you know, it, I, I can't help but think of the movie Cinderella Man as well when we talked about the work ethic. Russell Crowe playing James Braddock, the the actor, the back during the Depression when he was getting welfare money. As soon as he made money, he showed up at the welfare office and actually paid them back uh, what he took. How many people would have that kind of work ethic today? So, But we appreciate you folks listening. We do. And we very much appreciate you supporting the sponsors to this podcast. And Neil, obviously, one of them, uh, Alliance Defending Freedom, and just the great work that they continue to do. Absolutely, Bob. And I, I'm grateful, as I said earlier, for the ability to talk about 
things freely here on this program. Freedom of speech means everything, and it's why we want you to give $19 a month. It's only 63 cents a day to our friends at Alliance Defending Freedom who are supporting our freedom of speech in so many different ways. Just click on the ADF button at CrawfordMediaGroup.net. You know, earlier this summer, we've talked about the fact they won their 15th U.S. Supreme Court victory in, in just over a decade, actually, in the 303 creative case where Lori Smith, Christian web designer, preemptively sued Colorado to make sure that she could never be forced to violate her religious beliefs or declare support for same-sex marriage because that's not freedom of speech. It's not what she believed in. And they secured an incredible Supreme Court victory, which really is a, is a blessing handed down to all of us uh, because freedom of speech matters. And freedom of speech is guaranteed by our Constitution. So I want to encourage you to give generously to Alliance Defending Freedom they allow us to do this every single day. Let's support them generously. $19 a month, 63 cents a day is really small when you think about the value of the freedoms that those gifts preserve. So click on the ADF button at CrawfordMediaGroup.net. And if you have disposable income to use, you can give a whole lot more. Roger, that's what Wilson Financial is all about. Absolutely. If you're in a place like California and you want to sell your house and move to Texas, and you're going to wind up with a wad of extra cash. What are you going to do with that money? If you've got a, a big lump sum payout coming from a job that you're working on right now, maybe you've inherited some money and you want to be the best steward. Uh, statistically, 90% of people who get a lump sum of money at one point, either through an inheritance or, or through a retirement or whatever, burn through it in the first year if they're not careful, just because they don't know how to manage it. Let Dennis help you wade through the waters of what these different opportunities are to invest and do so in a God-honoring way where you won't lose any money of principle, where you'll have three and four different dimensions of how to protect the money and also provide long-term health care benefits and uh, a variety of other benefits through your retirement. Wilson Financial Advisors, the banner is up at CrawfordMediaGroup.net or call 800-696-9970 and, and uh, let Dennis know you heard about him on the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. One of these days, we're going to have to have Dennis join us on the podcast and uh, and uh, share from his heart why he's done what he's done for the past 54 years. It's really a great ministry story. Yeah, it really is. And so Wilson Financial and ADF, we do appreciate you folks supporting our sponsors, listening to this podcast. If you haven't given to Preborn yet, hey, do that too. Okay, remember, in the midst of everything going on, you can save babies' lives, you can by just paying for the ultrasound images through preborn. They're the ones who show these ultrasound images of unborn babies to expectant moms, and they choose life almost all the time when they see a picture of their baby. They almost always accept the Lord, too. So uh, $28 is the average cost to stop one abortion through ultrasound images. How many abortions will you stop? It's this simple. Just go online right now to crawfordmediagroup.net. Click on preborn and you can give right there. 100% of what you give goes to fund ultrasounds. So take $28 times fill in the blank. Whatever number you put in there, that's the number of babies' lives will be your forever legacy that you saved. So CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on preborn, or just give them a call, 833-850-BABY, and you can talk to a real-life person and give right over the phone 24-7, 833-850-BABY. Just mention National Crawford Roundtable when you call. We do appreciate all of you folks listening to NCR. We do. We thank you for your five-star reviews wherever you listen to your podcast. You can watch video of our podcast at myhopenow.com and of course follow My Hope Now wherever you go to social media. Uh, Neil Boron, Neil Boron Live out of Buffalo, New York. 
Roger Marsh, The Bottom Line from California. John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Colorado. Myself, Bob Duco, The Bob Duco Show out of Detroit. Guys, always great catching up with you. Thanks a lot. Have a great Labor Day weekend. Let's get that work ethic back, everybody. And we appreciate everybody listening. Thanks so much. God bless. You've been listening to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. A view of today's culture through a biblical lens. Brought to you by Preborn, saving babies and souls. Join us in the fight to save babies from abortion. Your gift provides a free ultrasound for a mother in need. 80% of the time, she will choose life. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the Preborn logo to donate to save babies now. Alliance Defending Freedom, protecting your God-given right to live and speak the truth. Your generous financial support makes it possible for ADF to defend religious liberty, the sanctity of human life, freedom of speech, and marriage and family in America and around the world. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the ADF logo to give your financial support. Wilson Financial Advisors, over 50 years of financial expertise and success, helping you build confidence in your financial future. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the Wilson Financial Services logo to learn more. You can download this podcast from Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. From your local Crawford Media Group station or at CrawfordMediaGroup.net. And you can watch video of the podcast at MyHopeNow.com. Be sure to follow My Hope Now wherever you follow social media. And please give this podcast a five-star rating on your Apple app. Look for the notification on your app for when the next weekly edition of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast is ready for you to download. This is a Crawford Media Group production.